when we first opened, but I actually got into roasting. And so now I'm roasting all the coffee we serve and sell as well on uh, Alio Bullet Jeff, machine. I have to interrupt you for a second. I, I did something and it kicked me out right when we started. And so we'll start with your introduction again. I kept trying to find yeah. the podcast. I couldn't find it anywhere. Folks, if you're watching Third Day Coffee, uh, I apologize. I don't know what happened. It kicked me out as soon as I hit um, broadcast. Uh, and so anyway, um, you'll see a screen on the bottom with all the sponsors uh, of the show. And um, I apologize. <laughs> we got to back up a little bit. Um, so I'll have to hear that twice, but it's all good. And uh, and then now I can get everything set up the way it's supposed to be set up. So um, if you would, please just introduce yourself and, um, and we'll start from there. Yeah. So I'm Jeff Jones and um, I have a coffee shop in a tourist town in the Dominican Republic called Las Terrenas. We just opened last November and uh, it was a pretty uh, unexpected life turn. I'm a physician in emergency medicine. My wife's a physician in, in pediatrics, um, but uh, we found this incredible tourist town in the DR and decided to get a place for vacation and, and eventually retirement and then kind of accelerated the plan and just brought the whole family there. Um, although I've still been coming back to the U.S. to, to work in the emergency department. Um, but um, in order to get uh, our residency visa through the investment visa process there, we decided to start a business and uh, saw that uh, specialty coffee shop was a big need there. People asked about it, looked for it, and all the coffee was the same San Domingo Coffee Company pods with machines that they supply and just not great at all. Um, even though there's lots of French people, Italian people, people from all over there, there wasn't great coffee. And so uh, we uh, started uh, remodeling the storefront and accumulating machines and then also get into roasting. And um, I'm now roasting all the coffee we're using on a one kilogram Alio bullet machine. We've been open since November and uh, it's been a lot of fun. That's, uh, you know, I know personally that that's kind of a big jump to go from uh, just, you know, making coffee um, to um, to the point where you are just going to decide that you're going to roast, you know, yeah. um, uh, I, I, we went on a trip overseas and I had real coffee for the first time as, you know, as a 40 something year old man. Um, never experienced coffee like that before and, um, came home and wanted to do it. And then we went overseas the second time and a couple of years later, and, uh, I just like, this is what I'm going to do. And I had no clue how to do it. You know, I, I bought a rotisserie from Amazon, like a meat skewer with a little cage mm -hmm. and it did four ounces of coffee. And I, that's oh. how I started roasting. Mm -hmm. So... Um, but that's pretty amazing, especially like I do. I, I, I'm not really familiar with Dominican Republic. So what is the big pull that there's so many different nationalities down there? Um, you know, this was a surprise to us. But when we visited this place that my wife found on HGTV, it's on a lot of these shows on TV. Um, we just found that uh, people from Spain and Italy have found this area 
decades ago. Uh, and there's also a lot of Canadians because the airport nearby has direct flights from Canada, but not from the U.S. Um, so there's a whole bunch of people from, uh, from Europe and Canada, and it's not been as discovered uh, by Americans as someplace like Punta Cana, also in the DR. So it's, uh, yeah, it's just a whole bunch of expatriates from all over there. It's pretty pretty neat place. That's uh, New Zealand's kind of like that. There's a lot of um, retired military and law enforcement from mm. the UK, Scotland, um, Australia, mm. and um, and the United States. It's just weird. Yeah, know. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful place. It's absolutely gorgeous. My daughter lives there, and so um, and does my grandson. So you know, that was kind of how we got into the coffee in the first place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. When you decided that you were going to do a coffee shop, where were you sourcing your coffee from? Um, so that evolved too. Um, when I was planning to just buy it, not roast it, um, I found a supplier in the Dominican Republic. He actually has a pretty cool app and you can order coffee from like eight different single origins around the island. And um, he actually has a training for baristas. He, he runs this coffee school in, in Santo Domingo. So we got connected with him and, and thought we'd get the coffee from him. But then um, when I started roasting, that kind of changed the plan. And so we visited a, uh, a coffee factory and plantation in the part of the island that has the best beans. It's the highest part of the island. It's actually the highest... And Pico Duarte is the mountain. And so now I just, um, with, via WhatsApp, place an order for this amazing uh, coffee, washed, honey processed, natural, whatever I want. Um, but for my espresso, I'm, I'm also mixing it with um, Brazilian and Ethiopian. So I use mainly Dominican due to the, to the cost is so uh, low for me. Um, but I uh, mix it with some Brazilian and Ethiopian to get the taste I want just for the espresso. For the cold brew drip, everything else, we mainly use this Dominican or a blend of a couple of the different Dominican beans. And um, when you say espresso, you're taking a, an Arabica coffee and you're roasting it to Italian? Not, not quite to Italian. Um, um, on my... Um, on my bullet, every, it's in centigrade. Uh, I go to um, more like full city, to about 224 degrees. Um, so not as dark, but for the espresso, I'm, I'm, I'm using about 50% honey processed Dominican, about 30%, 35% Brazil, and the rest Ethiopia. It's 15%. Wow. That's cool. For for the espresso that I sell, I use Robusta. Uh-huh. And um, I get it from Guatemala. Well, usually right now I can't even I can't even get a bag. I think Ashley's trying to find me some Robusta right now. Um, but um, and I and I roast it almost to Italian. I roast it to about okay. four hundred and forty degrees. Okay. Second crack, right at past second crack. Yeah. I want to include some Robusta, but I haven't yet found any in the DR. I could, of course, order it and, and carry it from the U.S., but 
it gets difficult. So I'd, I'd like to find some Robusta to include in the blend, maybe 10 or 15%, but I haven't yet found it. Is there, um, like, do they have Amazon and everything there, or everything has to come on a boat? Yeah, pretty much everything has to come by boat. And so uh, most of us have a, um, a freight forwarder, um, a couple different offices in town, you can um, order things to an address they have in Miami and it comes from that box in Miami. So you use your Miami address with Amazon and then they get it to you, but it's not cheap. It's uh, they charge you by the weight and there's a big um, tax if it's anything valued over a hundred dollars. So it's, if it's, if it comes from outside the Island, it's going to be expensive. Wow. Uh, that's kind of how uh, Ashley is a Honda. Like I can't send him anything when he's down there because uh, yeah. they don't have anything out in the mountains where they're at. Yeah. It's yeah. just such a remote area. Um, and so um, I guess talk a little bit about um, how the business kind of, because you said that that wasn't really part of your game plan when you moved down there. Right. Um, and, and you did notice some things, but it's not as easy as just noticing a need, right? Because uh, yeah. you can notice a need, you know, a desire for people, uh, like they call them pain points, right? You can find a pain mm. point, but that doesn't mean you're just going to decide, hey, I'm going to fill that pain point, you know? And so how did that, you know, how yeah. did that happen? So it actually morphed quite a bit. We, um, we have a big family, five kids and two adults. And one of our closest friends in the DR when we first moved there was a taxi driver. And he kind of uh, said, Hey, you know, if you get a, a van, like a 10 passenger van, you can fit your family. When you come to him from the airport, I can go pick you up and uh, you can kind of use it as a business um, because there's, a lot of tours there. There's waterfalls and whales and four-wheeler tours, all sorts of tours. And then there's, of course, a lot of tourists coming to and from the airports. And typically, they don't have transportation. So um, we first started a business called Toby's Tours, named after my oldest son, Toby. And it had the logo on our van and everything. And then we thought we would be like the English-speaking tour business because there's French and there's Spanish and there's lots of tour businesses, but there wasn't really an English speaking one. And we did a little bit of that. Um, and that's why we first started looking for a storefront for the tour business. But then after we found the space, um, we thought we'd include coffee. And then I got really into the coffee and uh, really learned everything about the coffee. And it's not a huge store. And so I really needed all the space for the coffee and we kind of dropped the tours completely. And so we named this business after our daughter, uh, Jocelyn, Jocelyn Jones. We call her Jojo. So it's Jojo's Java house. That's pretty cool. Um, I still can't really wrap my head around, <clears throat> you know, all the different nationalities that are down there. Yeah. I mean, it's tiny, right? Like it's that big. It's just half of the island, right? Uh. Yeah, yeah, we're on this peninsula in the northeast, the Semina Peninsula, and um, it, it's um, 
Yeah, like I said before, it's just not well known yet to Americans, but uh, a ton of Dominicans come come to where we're at for vacation. During this week, they all have off called Semana Santa. It's just overrun. And there are a ton of Canadians that come. A lot of my customers in the coffee shop are Canadian. But, um, and more and more Americans. Uh, I know several who are buying um, place, pre-construction places there right now. But uh, I think we all think it's going to, we're, we're both hopeful for business purposes and fearful for infrastructure and uh, crowds. But we think it's really going to explode at some point because it's, it's beautiful. It's, the water is unlike anything anywhere almost. Well, and, and just from a coffee standpoint, you're doing specialty coffee, which is not mm-hmm. regular coffee. I, I feel like every time I talk about coffee, uh, I know Ashley does too. Ashley comes on the show a lot or I go on his. And we feel like we always have to tell people what it is because they, they don't know. Yeah. And you have all these big companies, and I'm not going to name them because I'll get sued, right, in like two seconds. But all these big companies in the United States that sell gourmet coffee, premium coffee, uh, small batch. They, they call it all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't have paperwork, you know, proving a cupping score of 80 or better, it's just coffee. Yeah. And so yeah. what are some yeah, of the, the uh, obstacles that you have to deal with? Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, that's one good thing about um, the Dominican Republic is, you know, on some of these forums, like where I ran into your post, people are talking about all the restrictions, you know, they have to get all these approvals to roast coffee and all these, uh, you know, certifications and inspections for a coffee shop. It's a little bit more lax in the Dominican Republic. Um, You can pretty much do whatever you want. If you want to, if, if someone wanted to sell alcohol, they just buy the alcohol and sell the alcohol, um, for example. So it's, it's, it's quite a bit easier. We, we, we did, you know, get a, um, a uh, health inspection, sort of a food service inspection. Uh, and our employees have to take a little test, but it, it's, it's pretty easy to do business there without uh, a lot of red tape. Well, that's, that's encouraging. And, and I, I assume, and, and I, I don't like to assume, but uh, somebody told me one time that assumption is the lowest form of human knowledge. But uh, I assume that it's not very expensive to live there. Yeah, you know, um, several years ago, that was uh, a big draw. It's lower cost of living. Um but it's, it's gone up quite a bit with uh, inflation the past few years and the fact that everything needs imported. So construction prices and, and price of goods, uh, a lot of that's um, gone up a lot. Um, uh, there's no cars made on the island, so they're actually more expensive than here. Um, but labor is still affordable. So it's if you can... Yeah, if, if you, you know, if you have someone who cleans your house or works in a coffee shop, some of that can definitely be cheaper. Um, but on the flip side, the, the salaries are low. And so people, if they're not retired and they want to move there, that you pretty much need to count on remote work. Because it's hard to get a, uh, it's hard to get a, a work visa to work there legally. And even if you did, the salaries are pretty low, so. There's that's some of the trade-offs. 
even for like physicians, it's hard to get work there. Yeah, um, actually, you have to have someone sponsor you, and and um, the uh, the pay would be uh, pretty low, and so it'd probably be better to do telemedicine or or come back here at times or something. Wow, that's pretty interesting. And so where, where do you see, like, what is the progression for your business at this point? Yeah, so currently um, I'm using this small roaster and we're only selling the beans in our coffee shop. Um, and we, we opened thinking we would mainly just kind of do, I was all about the coffee. All the other food was just an afterthought. But for the for the customers, they want food. Um, it's interesting that they don't typically want uh, uh, takeout to go. Um, it's you're they're on vacation, and we have this beautiful plaza. We have a front door on the main street and a back door in this beautiful plaza, and we have air conditioning, which is a big draw too. So people typically, <laughs> yeah, we we don't we we. Uh, we do some to-go cups, especially for, you know, cold drinks and smoothies, but a lot of our uh, consumption is there. And we do a lot of breakfast, and so that's been a big part of the business and, and even sandwiches. So one next um, step will be to expand the food a little bit. I'd like to kind of do start smoking meat. There's no – we talked a little bit about this before. There's no – smoked meat culture there so i'd love to have like um, all day breakfast tacos and regular tacos with eggs and bacon and sausage and and pulled pork and brisket and uh stuff like that some of that we have but the smoked meats would be in addition and um then i'd like to have uh, additional locations um kind of already targeted a possible second city and if we have second second location or two and maybe a restaurant with coffee as opposed to coffee with food we kind of thinking about a, a restaurant restaurant a smokehouse basically um and if we distribute the coffee all that would help me to make the leap to a bigger roaster yeah that's uh it's definitely a progression we started out with four ounces and then we went to a um friend of mine welded a um stainless drum um that i set up on my big smoker offset smoker pit um that did eight pounds and then i bought a commercial roaster that had a built-in firebox they custom built it for me um and so it's definitely a uh progression you know to try to go from i mean i literally started with a desktop electric uh countertop um electric roaster air roaster you said yeah yeah and so a lady at church gave me uh let me borrow their roaster and um i thought it was going to smell amazing and you know people when people come to my shop they it does the shop smells great Mm -hmm. but that's because everything goes all the way past the you know the roasting part and uh the you know until it gets to the very end it doesn't smell very good you know Mm. and um and so I think that's always a misconception. And it's just funny that, that people, yeah. oh, I bet it smells amazing. Well, yeah, when I'm done with it, it smells amazing. But yeah, through that- I, <laughs> yeah, I think the grinding of the coffee 
smells even better. But yes. um, but our roaster, um, we have a PVC, a big, well, not a PVC, a big a duct vent that goes out um, right over the roaster, out the front door onto the main street. And uh, people can definitely smell the coffee roasting as they drive by. That's yeah, it's always something that, you know, when I look at retail, um, I've even thought about taking a cast iron skillet and just taking some beans that I don't care if I burn and just cooking them over a cast iron skillet at a live event. Mm -hmm. And so what if they burn, you know, people are going to smell them. Yeah. And, you know, it does something They're like, oh, what is that? And yeah. so. So you're you're supposed to be the one asking the questions, but. But I do have one. How does the how does the roasting with wood work? Like, what kind of time does that require, and how how many sticks are you looking at, and how do you control the fire? And so the unit that I bought is a commercial roaster from U.S. Roasters out of uh, Oklahoma, and it has a propane burner in it, just like you know most of your common commercial okay. roasters, mm -hmm. probats, and whatever. Same concept. It's got a you know, the drum, it's got the burner down below. Well, what they did when they built mine, they dropped the burner a little bit lower and they put a small box uh, in between the drum and the burner. Yeah. And so when I put the wood in there, it's not really the wood that's getting the beans to temperature. It's the propane that's doing it. But okay. while it's doing that, it's, it's just like an offset smoker, you yeah. know, smoker pit, you know, I'd, being from Alabama, I'm sure you're familiar with that. Yeah. And so um, that wood gets smoked into the coffee. Okay. Okay. And, and so you still can control it. Yeah. Yeah. You still control the, you can still control it with the gas burner, but the smoke, yes. the wood adds to it. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so it's got two, my, my unit has two probes. One is in the exit air that goes through the drum and the other one is in the bean stream, you know, to yep. read the temp on the beans. And so yep. no matter what, and you, and I've learned cause an, initially I was like, I'm going to throw a big old log in there cause I got a lot of coffee to roast. Not the thing to do. Cause what happens, it'll catch on fire and it'll, you'll see the temperatures spike. Mm. And, and then, then you get a little bit uneven coffee. And mm. so, I've learned to make small little pieces of wood that are about 10 inches long. Um, okay. And, you know, I've learned to, to moderate that a little bit, you know, whereas when I first started, you know, I was getting a lot of uneven roast. Ashley actually figured out what I was doing wrong. And I don't know how, cause he's not, he's never seen my, he saw it when I had it in the trailer and when I picked it up, but um, you know, he really helped me get my, my roast down. He knows a, he's very knowledgeable about the roast process, not just, you know, growing coffee. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the advantages that you have, I think, is is um, you have coffee on the island. Yeah. And it's good yeah. coffee. If, yeah. If, if you look at, um, uh, I know Coffee Bean Corral, certain places sell um, the coffee from the same place I get it. It's called Ramirez Brothers washed honey red honey etc and uh, to buy beans is like eight bucks a pound here in the u.s and um it for like three bucks a pound wow yeah and it is really good coffee so um 
Yeah, and uh, it's really easy for me to get. I just, uh, I just send a WhatsApp, and they deliver it to the coffee shop in a few days. And yeah, how many you. different farms did you say that there? I mean, there's there's a lot of yeah coffee farms. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of coffee grown in the Dominican Republic, and quite a bit grown in Haiti as well on the other side of the island. Um, but there's not a lot of export because. Um, Dominicans drink a lot of coffee. It's just that uh, they drink it from the same big company that mixes it with probably things other than coffee and sells it in these pods that are roasted who knows when. And It's not the worst thing ever, but it's not great. Yeah. Uh, that was another question that I wanted to ask you is like, you know, going into a culture that you're not native from, uh, how have they received you in that community? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting the challenges because um, I've never been in business. You know, I've just kind of worked for someone as a physician my whole life. Never, uh, not private practice or, or anything on my own. So there's that challenge, but then there's the language barrier as well. Um, so uh, fortunately, we have a, uh, a bilingual lawyer account slash accountant who's really helpful. Um, and we've learned a lot of Spanish because we have five employees and none of them speak English at all. <laughs> and so <laughs> to uh, communicate with them and instruct them, I, I use a lot of Google Translate um, in our WhatsApp group. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah lots. Lot to learn about um, their employment laws, when they need to be off, um, when they expect to get paid, certain you know certain expectations they have. Like here, you don't typically provide your employee with lunch, but there, um, that's kind of a standard. Is you uh, either <laughs> provide them with lunch or or pay, pay give it pay, give them some money to get lunch. Wow, that's uh, that's interesting because I know when we went to Honduras, um, that culture is um, – I'd never been – even when I was in the military, I'd never been to a third world country, mm-hmm. never seen it. I mean, I'd been to Mexico when I was a kid, but, you know, my dad and mom knew where to go. Mm-hmm. And so we were always in nice places, and um, I had never in my in my, you know, mind, in my 50-year-old mind, I'd never – thought that I would ever see a place where they had a hole in the ground mm. for their toilet, where they yeah. didn't have running water, or some of them yeah. didn't have electricity. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, Ashley really had to, um, he had to learn that too. He had to work with, um, the women don't have rights down there like they do in other places. And so he had to negotiate with uh, with the husbands. Yeah, hey, I w- want to employ your wife, and wow. and the husband decides what she's going to get paid and all that other stuff. And so, wow. Wow. Uh, it was it was. I can't imagine. You know, they went down as missionaries mm-hmm. um, to the region, and um, and so I guess that was another question I wanted to ask you, like the first time you went down to the Dominican Republic, was it just vacation? You just saw something online and y'all yeah. wanted to go check it out? Yeah. So my wife and I had gone to Punta Cana once to an all-inclusive resort and Punta Cana is totally different. It's just, it's all resorts, um, wall to wall resorts all along the beach. You can't even get to the beach unless you go through a resort. And 
this area that she found um, is totally different. We, we kind of been looking for some place maybe to invest in for like a retirement place. We looked at the Bahamas and Florida and we read about Costa Rica. Um, and then she found this area and we went for vacation and <clears throat> she talked me into meeting with the realtor. And before I knew it, we were um, in, investing. And uh, and again, before I knew it, we decided to accelerate the plan and move there. So, yeah, she found it through TV shows and, and reading about books about the area. That's pretty awesome because I know that, uh, I mean, I would, you know, if I had unlimited resources, I would be in New Zealand for six months out of the year with my grandson and my daughter. Yeah. And then I would do three months down in Honduras every year during harvest. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I, I love my beloved Texas. So I, I could never completely stray away. Yeah. Everything you hear about us is probably true. So <laughs> well, that reminds me of a lot of our customers. Um, the, uh, uh, the Canadians have to be in Canada for at least six months out of the year to maintain their health insurance. And oh. Canada's really, really strict. Um, I don't know if you remember their COVID protocols and COVID hotels, and they're really, really gotten to be a pretty strict com uh, country. And so they, they know. And if you're not in the country for at least six months, you lose your health insurance. And so um, a lot of people come down and, and live in the DR from Canada for the winter. <clears throat> so say... Yeah, November through May, um, and they, they make sure that they're back in Canada for at least six months. So the Dominican Republic, that government, is it is it like a socialist government also? No, it's actually democratic. Um, yeah, but they're they're very uh, open to outside investment, and they um, if you want to buy a house or start a business, uh, you can do it. They don't. Uh, they don't have a lot of restrictions on outside ownership. That's nice because, I mean, it helps them. Yeah. You know, and so it bring if it brings revenue to the island, it's definitely helping somehow. Right, right. Um, what other kind of obstacles do you face down there, you know, as being an outsider running a business? Yeah, um, I think that... Um, I think a big one is is sourcing and finding stuff because um, a lot of places don't have websites there and there's not a lot of uh, stuff outside the capital, San Domingo and some of the bigger cities. And so it can be kind of hard to find stuff. Um, Facebook is an option, but you know when your Spanish isn't perfect, and um, the websites are, are limited. It can be hard to, to find what you need. Um, for example, equipment uh, for the coffee shop or if we start a restaurant. So some of that's a challenge. Um, and the language barrier is probably <clears throat> the biggest thing that, that creates issues. Uh, our Spanish is pretty good, but it, it's still really helpful to have a local to, to help you with many, many things. It's different because I served uh, in the Navy with a Dominican uh, national and the Spanish that I grew up with and the Spanish that he speaks, 
Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. They're not the same. No. And no. And um, uh, that's un it's fun unfortunate for us, or maybe in the long run it'll help us. But <clears throat> if it's very, very fast in the DR, and, and they drop a lot of uh, letters at the end of words. And so, yeah, when we're around um, people speaking a lot of Spanish who are, say, from Spain or Mexico or if we're in the Miami airport or whatever, it's like, wow, that's so much easier to understand. <laughs> and so Dominican Spanish is tough. Yeah, even the uh, Cubans who speak pretty fast uh -huh. and loud, uh, and the Puerto Ricans who speak really fast, yeah. uh, I can still track those conversations. But my buddy from the DR, I, I had a very hard time. Yeah, it was always what? What did you say? And, yeah, they uh, almost the ones who are used to being around um, English speakers, they they change the way they talk to you, and and, and some are good at that, and some are, and so some of my employees who have worked in the restaurant industry a lot and been around a lot of Europeans and Americans, they can talk to me in a way I can understand. And I have other employees I can't understand at all because <laughs> they just talk so fast and they don't, they don't have a, another gear to, to understand how to speak to someone. Yeah. I, I can tell that's going to be a, a pinch point for you guys, you know, to get past that. I know, you know, my uncle was the first Mexican American ever to get his doctorate degree in bilingual education. Wow. And, um, he's, he still co-authors the textbook, even though he's retired. And, uh, and my Spanish is atrocious. Okay. And so w when I run into people from Laredo and they find out what my last name is, right. they're like, Oh, are you any relation to Dr. Alanis? And I'm like, yeah, he's my uncle. <laughs> and then they start like immediately, they just switch to Spanish and I'm like, mm -hmm. Whoa, time out. <laughs> My Spanish sucks. So, you know, and they look at you like you're crazy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things. But it was weird because we went to Honduras and um, my wife wanted to give uh, Ashley's number one. She's like the she runs the farm. She does the mm -hmm. payroll. She does everything. She does all the uh, import export paperwork for him. Um, and anyway, Connie was Ashley was. She was telling Ashley, and I don't know why, I just started speaking to her in Spanish. And uh, we got done, and she just wanted to give her this hair tie that was made with piano wire. And, um, and so I started just talking to her. And, we, you know, when we were done, we went to our apartment there, and, and my wife's like, I, I do believe that's the first time I've ever heard somebody speak in tongues. And, uh, <laughs> and I was laughing because... I go, she goes, where did you get that from? I said, I really don't know. Wow. I guess all those years growing up, listening yeah. to mom and dad, you know, some yeah, of it stuff. Come back to you. It'd probably come back to you if you were really immersed. But yeah. uh, that reminds me of a, another big future aspect for us and, and pain point is um, I really like to be able to import coffee. Um, I, I had some... Um, some ties with some Colombians and, and uh, different places. And it's kind of silly that it's going from Brazil or <coughs> Colombia to the U S and then I'm carrying it in a suitcase, but you have to get a permit uh, through the department of agriculture to import coffee. And um, it's a lot of paperwork. Um, I kind of know where to start, but I kind of need to find a lawyer uh, in the capital to help me. And so 
stuff like that um, that would probably be doable on my own if uh, if I if I spoke good Spanish is just insurmountable without help. Yeah, yeah, I I know that helpless feeling, and uh, it's not so much that we're helpless; it's just that there's a barrier that yeah. is hard to cross. Yeah, and I I think you're probably in one of the toughest uh, Spanish dialect countries. Yeah that I've ever been around. I mean, the, the Castilians, you know, it's a very proper and slow mm -hmm. Spanish. And, mm -hmm. and, um, and so you can understand it. And, and, uh, you know, the Puerto Ricans and Cubans, you just put that on fast forward a little bit yeah. and you can still understand them, but you know, it's like the, and the Haitians too, they, they have their own, but I think theirs is like French or something too, isn't it? Yeah. We actually have a lot of Haitians in our town and, um, and there's a woman who's been working for us since the day we moved there that we interviewed on Facebook uh, and met before we moved there. Um, she's Haitian. They have five kids as well. And her husband is kind of my evening manager. He's an electrician, but he needs a little more work. And then one of their daughters works there as well for me. So, uh, uh, yeah, they speak um, Creole and, and, and French typically. Wow. So how far is Haiti from where you're at? It's far from where we're at. Um, we're um, in the northeast part of the island, and uh, Haiti's the west side. So it would be like at least an eight-hour drive to Haiti. Oh, wow. Yeah. I thought, you, in my mind, you could cover that whole island in eight hours. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's like two hours from where we're at to the... Uh, south side of the island so the north south isn't too far because um, that's where the capital is but uh east west um is, is is farther since you first moved down there have you guys experienced any of the um tropical weather and storms and things like that uh yeah we um we had one pretty good um hurricane uh, this part of the island is relatively protected because it's just over a mountain range and it's on the north side and all the hurricanes come from the southeast typically, south or east. Um, but so this has been a really protected part of the island. That's part of why it's so beautiful is there's palm trees all the way up to the water still, uh, as opposed to the southeast part of the island and the south part, there's no palm trees. It's just, uh, it's just beach uh, or rocky beach. Um, but last, um, Man, when was that? We did have a hurricane go right over uh, within the past six months. And uh, it was in inconvenient. Uh, it ended up being not uh, too horrible uh, in terms of property and life, but the power was out. And power means no fans or Wi-Fi or AC. So, <laughs> And typically no running water uh, without the power. What's the infrastructure there like? You know, is there is there good infrastructure or not so much? Uh, it needs a little help. There's a good toll road that connects the capital to where we're at. That was built eight or ten years ago, um, but the power goes out with some frequency, and um, it's it's going to be a popular enough town that they need more roads and more uh better water delivery and better power supply and better everything so 
uh, yeah, there's there's things that that need help, but um, we were actually building a house there, and and uh, hopefully the house will have solar, so we can be independent. We'll have um, Starlink satellite. A lot of people are getting Starlink right now because it's crazy fast and affordable, and you're independent of all the other providers. So yeah, hopefully in time we'll uh, we'll have. Uh, Starlink and solar and be a little bit uh, more independent of the downtime. Yeah, that's got to be a, so as a business, I mean, have you, have you been in a, in a morning rush or whatever and lost power? We have, and people there, you know, they, they, they're not surprised. And so we still conserve cold brew and certain things, but it's happened. Uh, we've toyed, I almost bought a generator a couple of weeks ago and I probably still will, but it's so loud and our store is small that I'd probably have to keep it in our storage unit and it'd be a, kind of a pain in the butt. Take two men to get it into our uh, side by side and bring it from the storage unit. And usually the power comes back. You never know, but usually it comes back. So it happens, but uh, people are People are laid back. They, they're always saying, uh, no problem. Um, um, what else do they say? Tranquilo. Tran probably that's the most common word that Dominicans use is tranquilo, tranquilo. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty awesome. I, uh, I can't even imagine. Um, have you priced like having a shipping container? Sent there? No, um, but if we get our residency, which we're um, almost done, I'm communicating with the consulate this week. I believe that if you once you do, you can you can bring one container tax free um, because the taxes on everything are 18 percent for basically everything like that. Um, but um, yeah, if we if we get the residency, then that would probably do that um, for stuff for our house and for, uh, yeah, solar inverters and all sorts of stuff. You could stick a, a Generac generator in there, yeah, as a backup for your for yeah. your store. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, I know my my daughter in New Zealand, her uh, father-in-law comes to the states you know occasionally at least he's done two or three times since we've known him and uh they send uh him and all his buddies they they all pitch in and they get a shipping container from new zealand to la or to to south carolina with their motorcycles and everything in it and their tools and then they ride the motorcycles across the country wow. on this uh it's an off the highway trail that you pay money to wow. get the ordinance mostly private land um, yeah. and then when they get to la they put everything back on a shipping container and wow. and then they fly home and so i wonder if something like that you know in the future uh, you know to move stuff down there i mean yeah you know people do it people definitely do it when they move um we we didn't we kind of uh shipped a bunch of boxes we had like 18 suitcases between the seven of us um but uh a lot of people do uh especially when they move um kind of permanently start with the shipping container 
What ages are your children? So the oldest will be 16 next month, and um, they're about every two years, so roughly 16, 14, 12, 10, 8. Wow. So that's a very young family to just uproot and go. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And uh, we've been going to uh, international school there that uh, has gone well, but um, I think we're going to homeschool for the first time starting in the fall. And uh, so that'll give us more flexibility. We can be here in the States when we want to and not be tied to the school calendar, be there when we want to, and maybe even with our Spanish knowledge, go other places, Spain, Cuba, etc. Yeah. I, I don't know if I, I mean, I, my, uh, my sister's best friend was in Cuba. She's in the Navy too. And uh, she was down there and she said, aside from the absolutely amazing beaches and water, um, you know, it's, it's not all, but it's yeah. cracked up to be, you know, what everybody thinks. And, yeah. um, and so there are definitely some other places that I would like to go. And, and mm -hmm. Spain's one. I haven't been there yet. Yeah. So we definitely want to do that. But, you know, when it comes to coffee, you're pretty much looking at the equator. And I would like to, to hit those countries, you yeah. know, before I decide to, you know, to do something yeah. different. Um, Colombia is a very popular place to go from the DR. There's a lot of flights. And, um, and actually, we have some, a lot of Colombian friends there in our town, too. And they have some really amazing uh, coffee around Medellin. Wow. So let me ask you this. With your business down there in your town, um, what's the ratio of local customers to foreign customers? Yeah, so it's, um, oh, I would say 80% foreign. Um, wow. And by foreign, that's a that's kind of a mixed bag. So there's your um, expat foreign like me uh, who, you know, lives there. And then there's your, um, what do you want to call it? Um, your uh, uh, people who are working there for a while, but maybe moving, moving on to different countries, uh, remote workers um, from, from all over. There's a German guy who's in our shop every single day doing remote work. Um, and um, and then there's tourists. So I guess those would probably be the three groups of foreigners, is expats, remote workers, and tourists. <clears throat> and that is most of our business. Um, and Because there are locals who come, but a lot of times it's kind of price prohibitive for the typical Dominican. Um, the exception is um, on weekends and holidays when there's a lot of tourists from Santo Domingo, the capital. Uh, and they typically have more money, and so we'll get more more of them than we do the the true locals. What does a typical family of say four down there make annually? Uh, I would say that um, a, a typical salary. Um, I do know that a little better. A pretty typical salary would be like three hundred a month. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So not a ton. Yeah. $4 coffee. Disposable income. No, $4 coffee is a lot when you make 300 a month. 
Yeah, yeah. Honduras was like that too. There's a family of five, averages about fifteen hundred dollars a year. Wow. And so one of the things that Ashley instituted um, when he started the farm was he wanted a, a way for them, for the locals, to be able to make more money than they were making. And if something happened to him, if he died, he always says that if I die tomorrow, you know, Anna still knows how to export the coffee mm-hmm. and get the prices up here because, mm-hmm. you know, a 150 pound bag up here is about $700. Wow. Well, down there, the big, big companies, big corporations go down there and they know they can't get the coffee out. They got no money to export it. Mm-hmm. And so they give them $20 for the same 150 pounds of coffee. Wow. Wow. And I, I had a hard time understanding that. And so yeah. we made a deal with one of his employees, Jose Santos, and we're ex- exclusively buying his coffee for the next four or five years. Mm. Uh, and the money that we've been able to buy his coffee has changed his life. Like they, wow. you know, he's been able to build a house that doesn't slide off the side of the mountain yeah. uh, during the rainy season. Uh, they built a shower this last year and they built, uh, uh, it, plumbing Ashley's showing them how to, how to make a, basically a cesspool septic to get it out of the house, mm-hmm. you know, out of their mud huts. Yeah. And so yeah. it's been, um, it's been real eye opening for us, you know, to, to go into a culture yeah. like that. Yeah. Every step in the supply chain, uh, has big markups, big markups. So if you can. Go direct like that. That can help everybody. So, is there? Do you do you find situations where, like, they're like, "Oh, here comes the white guy," and then you got to pay more money for something? Yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So there's there's situations where uh, I'll send an employee, and there's other situations where the employee goes, "No, it's better for you to go." And so there's, we were buying some bread from a bakery and they realized he was buying it for a business and they quit selling it to him. And so he's like, you go, they'll let you have it. So yeah, there's, there's definitely times where uh, you don't want to get the gringo price. And so you, you want to get somebody local involved. Yeah. I know that's difficult and it doesn't really have to be white. It just, un-American, you yeah. know, if you're an American or a European, you know, non-local, right. I could see where they would, they would be, you know, try to take advantage of that situation. Yeah. Little stuff like getting, getting our van washed. It's better if I have my Dominican driver go than if I go. <laughs> that's, that's insane. You know, it's kind of hard to, but you know, that's just one of the, I think one of the obstacles, um, what is the, their, you know, are they are they a very um, religious? I hate using that term because I don't like the word religion. But mm-hmm. uh, are they a very faith based culture? You know, I was surprised that they're not more so um, from what I expected and experienced in Central America as opposed to the Caribbean. Um, and they have an amazing history. Like um, Columbus first went to the Dominican Republic. And his brother uh, was the mayor of San Domingo. And they have like the first street in the new world, the first cathedral, the first monastery, the first convent, the first college. 
uh, really, really amazing history in San Domingo, uh, a Catholic history. But um, there's still a lot of Catholic holidays. Mm -hmm. Semana Santa was the week I was referring to that everyone comes to our town and a bunch of different Catholic holidays. But there's really not um, a, a lot of uh, spirituality or church attendance, despite that historic and loose affiliation with the Catholic calendar. Not as much as I would have expected, anyway. That's a really interesting aspect, you know, yeah. because uh, I know, like, you know, Mexico and when we went to Honduras, and um, yeah. I have a friend that's that's from Colombia. She goes back and forth. And I know those are very, very faith-based places. Mm -hmm. You know, people are very, you know, devout. Most of them are devout Catholics. I mean, let's, right. you know, the the Latino world is pretty much, you know, Catholic, and and so. Um, but that's interesting that that it's not as you know strong as as uh, what I mean. I would yeah. have thought all those places, but I know the islands probably are very different too because. I've been to St. Croix and Nassau and Puerto Rico mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and uh, it's definitely a different culture, you know, when you're on that Island. Yeah. Yeah. And even the food, like um, I expected uh, more Mexican influence on the food, but it's not at all. Uh, and they don't eat, they don't like, typically don't like spicy food, don't eat a lot of spicy food. And there's, there's really almost no similarity or influence of, of Mexican cuisine, for example, even though it's close. That's crazy. So they got tortillas and everything, no? No. No? No. <laughs> they don't. I mean, wow. yeah. And so in our town, there is a Mexican place, but no, typically they, they don't. Um, and we want to serve uh, breakfast tacos made with corn tortillas, but no, typically... I can't find corn flour. That's my biggest obstacle. Is they don't they don't use um, masa harina, and so uh, yeah, they really, they really don't. You can you they did have them in the grocery store, but it's not a Dominican thing. So I'm assuming the grocery store is probably pretty expensive. I know New Zealand, if it's not dairy or lamb, it's expensive. <laughs> lamb, that's interesting. Um, yeah, it is a little bit like that. Um, but um, one good thing about it is um, they have a nice app um, for delivery at the grocery store, biggest grocery store in our town. <clears throat> and so our shop closed an hour ago and the employees sent me a list of everything we need. And it's all saved in my favorites in the app. And so every single night I just hit the things that we need for the next day and they deliver it the next morning. That's pretty awesome. And you were saying like, you sell your coffee for four bucks a cup, roughly. No, no, we sell, um, it depends. A, a drip brew we sell for 90 pesos, which is under $2. Um, an espresso shot um, is about, 90 pesos as well under two dollars so it, it depends the um the like a latte mocha something like that that's probably 200 pesos about four bucks yeah well that's so, not really so far removed from our you know what 
Yeah. Like I live in a small town. I say small town. It's about, I think we're about 40,000 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're mm-hmm. east of uh, San Antonio. Um, and so uh, that's about what you would pay. And I just, I, that's pretty amazing that you can sell. I mean, obviously 80% of your clientele is, is yeah. not local. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know. It's, it, it's less than you would find at uh, Starbucks or something, but tip, but also more than, than there. Um, if you go to a, a more local place there, an espresso might be 50 pesos or 70 pesos and ours is 90. You know, it's funny because uh, as much as I despise uh, Starbarfs and uh, and Duncan, uh, those two companies alone have single-handedly uh, sparked the coffee revolution. The third wave, I think they call it, yeah. And And people don't want their coffee, which I think is ironic because they started it. Yeah. Um, you know, people are looking for what you're doing, what we're doing, what Ashley's doing. They yeah. want, you know, a, a small batch, you know, yeah. custom roasted coffee from someplace that doesn't come from yeah. a big company. Yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of the difference in my mind is how recently it was roasted and how recent and, and making sure that you grind it fresh. <clears throat> I mean, I don't, I don't, Maybe it's just me, but I don't know that there's typically incredible amounts of skill or talent or knowledge applied to roasting. I think it's more about how how fresh it is and how good the beans are. Yeah, it, it's ironic that you say that because that's the exact reason that I got into the coffee business. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we, we went to go meet my grandson in New Zealand when he was born, we were, you know, $150 plane flight from where we were to Sydney for both me and my wife. And so I told her, listen, that's on my bucket list. There's no way we're passing it up for 150 bucks round trip. So we went over there and, and the morning that we got up to go walk around downtown, we were walking to go take a picture in front of the opera house, like everybody does. And, and uh, this guy had a a shack with like plywood. Mm. I mean, it was, but you know, I was used to drinking gas station coffee and, uh, and I ordered a coffee and I couldn't believe how amazing the coffee was. And so I had, I said, I got to go back and talk to this guy. Mm. And, um, cause my, my kids drank instant. I was so like, I had this bubble in my head that, uh, you yeah, know, we're, we're going overseas. We're going to have great coffee. And then my kids mm. drink instant and I'm like, you know, bubble deflated. And mm. so, and I didn't know enough of the area when we first got there for the first week or so to, to know any better to go look for coffee. But uh, when we went to uh, Sydney for the weekend uh, and I started asking that guy, he was probably thinking these stupid Americans don't know nothing about it, anything. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I don't do anything special. You know, I buy, they, they, there's 10 roasters in Sydney. They yeah. all roast on Wednesday. I buy my coffee on Thursday. I buy enough for the week and I don't grind it till you order. That's my big secret. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Freshly roasted and freshly ground makes all the difference. I don't know a lot about Australian coffee, but Papua New Guinea coffee is is real popular. I've been back in town for a while, if, a couple of weeks, and gone to some of my favorite coffee shops, and they all have a Papua New Guinea offering lately. I have I have bought some, and uh, and it was good coffee. Um, I 
I'm so stuck on Ashley's coffee. Like I said, I'm going to send you some, uh, some yeah. greens so you can check it out. But, yeah. um, and, and of course it doesn't, doesn't hurt any that we went down and saw exactly right. how they harvested and, you know, the ladies hand select the defects out of it. Yeah. And so there's a lot of labor that goes into that kind of coffee yeah. before you get it. Right. Um, and I think they just won fourth place, um, which is really big for an outsider down there hmm. at a local competition. Uh, and they, uh, I think their, their coffee ended up cupping 87.5. Wow. And so it was a really, really high score coffee. And uh, we've always had 85 score coffee from Ashley. And um, I kind of feel bad about, you know, offering pumpkin spice and all that other stuff uh, because I'm putting that on specialty coffee. Yeah. And so, um, but again, that's one of those things where I think you really have to indoctrinate people so they yeah. understand the difference, you know, but people from Europe, they, I think they probably don't have any trouble knowing good coffee. Yeah. Yeah. We sell um, more than I would have expected it. Um, straight espresso and more cappuccino because <clears throat> that's what they do. And um, I've been surprised we have not sold a lot of lattes. Um, we sell ice lattes and, We've started to sell a lot of cold brew, um, but um, I'm a mocha drinker, um, and we don't really sell a lot of lattes. We sell either, yeah, yeah, a lot of uh, ice drinks or espresso or cappuccino, yeah, and, and some drip. But for a long time, we, I didn't know if our drip machine I bought was going to be worth the investment because that that's not something that Europeans drink at all. Right. Yeah. We uh, got a machine uh, that is a, it's, it fills up the big um, care fats or whatever you call them. The, mm -hmm. uh, the one Airpod gallon or craft or yeah. Air pots. Yeah. yeah. Um, and when I got the manual for it, um, so the one I have does two air pots at one time, every four mm -hmm. minutes. Yeah. Um, it'll, it, it can roast. I mean, it can, it can drip that much, but it's more like a pour over machine hmm. the way it, cause it gets the coffee up to 200 degrees. It won't start unless the water's at 200 degrees, hmm. uh, which is one of the biggest things that I had to learn, you know, trying to tell people what the difference is between pour over and using, you know, an automatic drip or, or the, the pod machine. I'm not going to say yeah. their name, but yeah. Um, yeah. you know, the pod machine that everybody uses is, the water doesn't get hot enough. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you know, the pods, even though we're starting to, we're kind of testing them for 90 days or maybe 120 days, to see how they go. But uh, it's a convenience and some people are willing to pay for that convenience. Yeah. Um, but you can't like, I can't possibly put enough dark roast in one of those pods to make it taste like dark roast. Mm -hmm. Cause it doesn't get and, hot enough. Well, you just can't put enough grounds in it. Oh yeah, you know to make it taste like it would if you made a pour over or yeah. or if you yeah. pulled a shot. Yeah, and so um, I think those are probably you know for me personally, those are things that I look for. Like when we went out to look for that machine, we wanted to make sure that we had a machine that we could program mm -hmm. uh, to mimic the yeah. pour over 
conditions. Yeah. And then we played with it for weeks before we used it the first time to try to get the right amount of coffee, yeah. you know, so that that entire gallon tasted just like a cup that you made with pour over. Yeah. And some of those, ours will, we have a Curtis machine. Um, there's different programs where it, it, it saturates the grounds before it starts and stuff like that to be even closer. Yeah, yeah that's really interesting. Well, we're, uh, we're at the one hour mark and I just want to ask you uh, for any last thoughts and, you know, anything that you'd like to share about your business or you want people to know. You know, um, I, I um, would encourage people if they're thinking about it to give it a chance. Um, for me, um, if nothing else, I have a, a nice office where it smells great and I get free coffee. And so even if I'm not making a ton yet, uh, I, I love being in the coffee shop. Uh, I always loved hanging out in coffee shops. Uh, great Wi-Fi and great coffee. Um, are gonna are gonna be a recipe for success, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Even here, you know where we're at, where we're you can easily drive 15 minutes to the next town, which is a very popular town, New Braunfels, or you can drive 30 minutes and you can be in San Antonio. Um, but that small, it's not really small, but it's the intimate feeling that you get when you can go to a coffee shop and sit down and you can pull the Wi-Fi up or. You know, yep. if you need to do some work or you're studying, you can take mm -hmm. your laptop with you. Um, and, and then the coffee's got to be like we have a, a shop here and I love the owner. You know, she's done really well. She survived COVID. They had to move. Uh, mm -hmm. The food is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. The coffee. Yeah. Not so much. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you get the environment, you get the food. You get the Wi-Fi, the whole bit. Uh, yep. But for me personally, you know, I, I need the coffee to be on point too. Yeah, me too. And so yeah, me too. it's it's definitely, um, uh, you know, we're, we're working towards it. I think we're going to do, I think we're going to buy an ambulance and we're going to, we're going to wrap it and we're going to call it an emergency caffeine vehicle. Well, a coffee truck. And, yeah, it's going to be a coffee truck. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to convert it and wow. uh, we're going to have to get clever with using some of the storage for water tanks and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, we were in Kansas picking up coffee from Ashley a few months back and there was a donut shop and they had bought two ambulances and they wrapped them and they were emergency donut vehicles. <laughs> so I got the idea and I was like, I need an emergency caffeine vehicle. That's right. And, uh, That's right. you know, we could have like a, uh, I've seen pictures, old pictures of, uh, it's a cartoon picture, but it's, a uh, like from the forties and there's a glass, um, uh, IV and it's coffee, you know, and so, uh, you know, it'll there be like go. Dr. Robica and nurse Robusta and, there and you go. Um, but I, we definitely want to break into the, the retail market. Um, yeah. you know, because we, our end goal is to definitely work towards, where you're at, I, I mean, we want to have a brick and mortar, um, yeah. you know, and for us, you know, being faith based, there's just so many opportunities. You know, you can offer a place for people to do their Bible study weekly. Uh, you, yeah. you can, you know, you can have music. Uh, That's from what local we do. Artists. Really? 
Yeah, we play um, Christian music and we have uh, TVs with uh, verses in Spanish. Nice. Yeah. yeah, Ashley's wife goes into their the bodega where they where they work, and every morning on the blackboard she'll put verses in Spanish for the ladies that come in and work. Awesome. And so, yeah, that's really incredible. Well, I, I appreciate your time. Um, you know, I know I know I'm always busy. I'm sure you are too. And and I, I appreciate you spending an hour with us. And uh, you know, it sounds like we're gonna have to put uh, the DR on our vacation list. Yeah, yeah. Lost Terrainus, look it up. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time. If you'll just hang out for just a second, I'm gonna close the show and I'll come right back to you. All right. Thanks again for your time. I appreciate it. You bet. Hey folks. Another great hour of God Country Coffee. Thanks for tuning in. Again, uh, I apologize for the start of this thing. I, I hit live and then it said live and then and it went away. But anyway, no big deal. We uh, rolled the punches and, and uh, what a great story from Jeff uh, and his family. And if you're ever in the DR, you can look up, uh, look at the show notes. I'm going to put it on. It'll go out tomorrow to all the podcast places and so you can get the information for uh jojo's java house and um if you're ever down there you know where to go get good coffee all right so until we see you again next week treat each other the way god intended us to treat one another with love kindness and respect until next week god bless